Hey everyone, welcome to kind of our next joint study together as a community here at Dwarf Hope Northeast. We're going to be taking this week to work through the letter of 2 John, and then all the same stuff I'm about to say will apply to the next two weeks after this one, where we'll be in the letter of 3 John before we uh, kind of return to our original series we were going to start uh, working through as a church, which was our sermon series on the letter of 1 John. And so uh, before we jump in just quickly to the first few verses of 2 John, I want to just kind of remind you what we're doing here and kind of tee it up. In this weird time when we can't be together physically, just finding things we can do together while apart is really meaningful and important and helpful. Um, it gives us common ground to talk about when we do gather for community groups, uh, when we are checking in with one another, just to discuss the scriptures and to know that we're, hey, we're working through the same things. And as we have questions, we've got community around us that, that might be wrestling through it similarly that we can process with. And so that's what we're doing. And I would note that second and third John are the two shortest books in the Bible. So what we're inviting you to do is to read through Second John once per day this week. When we did the Gospel of John, we read through the same few chapters each day uh, over the course of the week. But now we're, we're going to do the whole book. And this, this just kind of reminds me, I just want to put this out there. Um, it reminds me of a really important Bible study principle that basically since, since the Bible is, we believe, is a unified whole, all of it inspired by God, all of it working together to, to point to Jesus and, and communicating the truth of who God is and, and what he's up to in the world. Um, we have to work to understand the parts in light of the whole and the whole in light of the parts. Or put another way, over, over the course of our lives and discipleship to Jesus, we want to become closer followers of God, to know him more, to love him more by encountering what he has for us in the whole sweep, in the whole story of the entire Bible, um, what the biblical authors sometimes call the full counsel or the whole counsel of God. But we also want to encounter what he has for us in, in each specific book and passage. And sometimes these things are at odds because if we're trying to get the whole sweep, that means, you know, read the Bible in a year, do this, long, this you know, quick blast through reading plan where we cover all of it quickly. But when you do that, you don't really get to dive into the minutia of individual passages to really understand them um, more fully and more completely. So, and likewise, when you take a deep dive into one book, spend, spend a month, two months, three months in one book or uh, in a shorter passage, um, you're, you're missing out on the whole big sweep. Uh, so there's a trade-off. Um, the deeper we go into one side of that or the other, though, the better equipped we are to go into the other, and so on and so forth. So the, the more we immerse ourselves in the big story, the more we're going to understand an individual story or passage that we come to. And the more we understand an individual story or passage, uh, the more we're going to actually have better information to take to our understanding of the whole. So I'm kind of talking circularly because it's kind of a circular thing, but I hope if, if you are a follower of Jesus that you've got some intentionality and thoughtfulness in how you go about spending time with God in, in the scriptures. Um, and I would just encourage you to think about over time alternating your energy back and forth uh, between big sweeping read-throughs and then close, slow, patient study of specific passages. And I think you'll honestly be amazed each time you return to the other how much richer it is. So that's just a sidebar here. So we're, we're kind of doing that practically here. We've, we've done John, which was a big kind of 
larger sweeping thing. And now we're going to do second John, which is short and quick. And we're going to read through the whole thing daily just to try to flex these muscles here. So let's, let's just jump into the book. We're, we're, we're not going to spend a ton of time today. Hopefully you've already read through it once or twice, maybe more than that. If you've uh, been really excited about it, we're just going to look at the first three verses of second John, which say this, the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. And the first words we see here are the elder, which indicates the, the author of this letter. Uh, the elder is kind of vague. It, it indicates a position of leadership and authority, it, it, certainly at least in the collection of churches that he was working with. Um, but he doesn't mention his name specifically. And so uh, we don't want to be too dogmatic about who the author of this letter is. And you, if you're interested, you can go and read the various views that are out there. There's several. Um, but without getting into it all, we, th we think we have good reason to believe that this is the same author of the other so-called letters of John, uh, the Apostle John, the beloved disciple, the one who wrote the gospel. So that's uh, why we'll, we'll refer to the author here as John. He calls himself the elder here. And again, this was probably written similarly to the other uh, letters of John about 60 years after Jesus's ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension. Uh, which means it's about 30 years after the events of the book of Acts. And so John, the, this, this elder, he writes with a unique authority that comes with being a close disciple of Jesus, both during his earthly life, one of the inner core, and in the decades that have followed as he's just gotten older and wiser, as he's allowed the Holy Spirit to shape and work within him. And so there's just a special kind of authority that, that comes um, here and that, that the readers, the original readers of this letter, the recipients would have felt and they, they would have treasured getting this letter from them. But who is it written to? Well, we see here it's to the elect lady and her children. And once again, kind of a, a, a nondescript phrase in, in some ways, um, there's debate over who this is. There are many views. Uh, some, some would see this as a particular woman and her children, so a, a literal family. Uh, but we're going to take the what's the majority view that it, it's kind of a metaphorical reference to just a local church community. And uh, we could get into the reasons. We won't, we won't do it now. But of course, there's nothing absurd about John choosing to write a letter to a particular person or a particular family. Uh, but there's just things in the language that uh, that make us think he's 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 referring to a church, and so that's how we'll we'll take it for now. Similar to how Peter in First Peter five refers to the church in Rome as she who is in Babylon. So New Testament Christians would would talk about uh, churches this way quite a bit. And then he goes on to say, "Whom I love in truth." So this lady and her children, or this church community whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. So he's he's making the point here uh, to reassure them that, that, that he, this great leader, this one who was so close with Jesus then and is close with Jesus now, even though Jesus has ascended to the throne, um, he's reaffirming his love for them because they share and this is true for you and for me with them as well. They share a bond that is deeper than any other possible bond. 
which is unity in Christ. Those who are in the truth, who know the truth, who love the truth. And with Jesus himself at the center of that, the one who called himself the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. He, he, he's affirming their love. And, and, and for you today, I just say this devotionally, like if you're listening to this and you feel stressed and down and disconnected from your church community, from your friends, from your family, from your coworkers, maybe from God himself, because often just personal relational isolation with, with, with others, um, it, it can feed in and Satan can grab a hold of that and, and create this false narrative that you are isolated and separated and not thought of, not cared for by God himself. And so I would just want you to hear that if, if you know Christ, if you've trusted Christ, if you've been saved by Christ, um, you share a bond with others that, that is deeper and more substantial than, than any other that John himself would affirm his love for you. <laughs> One day when we are in, in the new creation with God and with his people, John will come to you too. You'll get to meet him and he will affirm his love for you uh, that, that was probably in the, in the deepest, furthest, backest reaches of his mind when he authored this, thinking about Christians that would come later down the ages, part of this true family of God. And so he, he affirms his love for this community to start this letter. And then he gives this, this kind of greeting here in verse 3. Um, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. And, you know, a lot of New Testament letters include an expression like that, that, you know, I, I wish you grace and peace. That's very common, some, something along those lines. Um, but here, uh, he, he affirms specifically that it will be with us um, and with you, reader. And, and I, I think it's very fair to say because that grace and mercy and peace is from God for those who are in Christ, you, listener, today... Uh, this is for you if you are in Christ. You will, you have been, you are, and you will be the recipient of the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the peace of God. And yeah, once again, uh, my hunch is that many of us, most of us are, are, have been and are going quite stir crazy. We're not meant to live in this kind of isolation and, and the frustrations build and, and the questions build and uh, even as we wait for uh, kind of more glimmers of hope that, that things are going to return uh, to, to some degree of normalcy. And by normalcy, I just mean the ability to be with people physically in person. And those signs don't come and, and, and we still have no dates and no certainty. Uh, if you're like me, anxiety can just continue to build and frustration can continue to build. And what we have here. Uh, is the same promise that John extends to this early community, which is that um, if you are in Christ, we have a supernatural supply that we can tap into, that, that we know that we are seen and valued and loved and cared for by the God of the universe, uh, by the King of the world, the one true King Jesus, that, that he doesn't sit distantly from us, but that he's put his spirit inside of us and that uh, nothing, none of this mess surprises him. None of it throws him off or his plan off track. Uh, that his promises remain. 
that he has good in store for all those who uh, love and serve him. And, and, and not necessarily in the immediate short term, but that we know whatever comes, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing at all. Neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, Paul tells us in Romans 8, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter how isolated or unseen or lonely you feel, maybe even with your own spouse or your kids or your roommates or your Zoom colleagues or whatever, um, know that there is one who sees and knows and loves you perfectly and who will not abandon or forsake you, the Lord. John saw fit to start this short letter to this church that he loved with this note, and I, and I think everything that he says is true of them is true for us, Door of Hope Northeast. And if you don't feel right now like you're actually receiving that mercy or that grace or that peace, uh, maybe today is the day to just stop and ask him for it. I know for me, it's so easy in the midst of this pandemic to just go about, try to go about business as usual, um, to not even stop and, and pray and plead with God for what I need and for what I'm lacking. He's there to listen. And so maybe today, just, just cry out to him. Get alone, get quiet, uh, find some space. Uh, it might be 10 seconds, might be a minute, might be 15 minutes, whatever, and ask him. Lord, in this letter, you have promised to supply me these things. And I know that you have, but I'm not experiencing it right now. So, Father, would you make it known? Would you give me that peace that surpasses all understanding? May you drill it deeply into my heart. Because that's his heart for you. And that's his heart for me. That's his heart for us as a community, even in the midst of the weirdness that we are in right now. That's what he wants to supply. So may we take him up on it. May we ask. May we confess to him that we don't feel it. If we feel resentment over that, may we share that with him because he can take it. Uh, and may we press in even deeper and, and call him out on that promise. That these things will come. So Dwarf Hope, I, uh, I love you. Um, I'm excited to be in Second John with you this week. And um, let's see what he wants to do with it.